following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Your vehicle to the past doesn't need roads or even 1.21 gigawatts. It's the Retro Network Time Machine with Jason and Mickey! Yes, it's the Retro Network Time Machine, and it's once again time to double back to decades past and relive our favorite pop culture moments. Your pilots on this journey are Jason here, and of course, Mickey. How you doing, man? I'm good, because uh, it's a holiday weekend as we record this. It's a long weekend. Well, for you, at least. Uh, oh. Do not get Friday off, but I know Ooh. you will appreciate the extra long weekend. I sure will, because... Uh, when folks actually listen to this, I will have already watched Kong versus Godzilla in my new in-home theater. So that's the christening right there. It should be a good one to watch in there. I watched it last night and Ooh. it's a little, uh, too overthought, I think, but there's some great, uh, the, the battle they have actually have a battle, I think in Japan, like in the downtown Tokyo area. It's just the lights, and it's so it's like King awesome. Kong with classic Godzilla movies, plus the Rampage video game all rolled into one. Then, huh? Yes, yes, yeah. They even have that weird uh, chemical lab, whatever they had in in Rampage. That kind of takes its own little thing too. But uh, it was a fun popcorn movie. It'll be perfect for your surround sound and all that. Hmm. I'm hoping so. Well, you have to report back to us on that uh, next week as we uh, keep rolling. And if I have time, there might be a viewing of the Snyder Cut of JLA on this, too. Well, if you've got uh, all of Friday off, you'll need pretty much all day to <laughs> finish that. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's uh, I'm, I'm very jealous. Put it that way. All right, well, we're going to move along. We are sponsored again this week by Retro Days. A few recent articles over there on retro-days.org that you can read. Here's a few, Mick, for you. Pokemon as I remember it, if you're a Pokemon fan. How about the dreaded back-to-school phase? Ooh. Yeah. I want to read that. I never was much into Pokemon. My daughter might like to read it, though. You're going to like this one, too. Getting the Shaft After Valentine's Day. I always preferred giving the shaft for Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, I was uh, I was lucky enough never to have that happen to me where, you know, you just flood your girl with gifts and the next day she dumps you. you see, know? That, see, that's why you don't flood your girl with gifts. Yeah. You know, some flowers, nice romantic dinner at Wendy's. Well, Wendy's. Back when they had the super bar, anyway. It's yeah. not so romantic anymore. Did you take any dates on the uh, to the Burger King dinner service? No, I was a little young for that. Okay. My favorite date spot is not surprising. It was Pizza Hut. <laughs> hey, you can't beat that, man. Let me tell you. All right. Well, that's uh, a few articles over there on Retro Days now you guys can check out. Also wanted to shout out our latest VIP, Sean Razine. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Sean signed up at the $5 level this week and uh, now has access to our VIP vault. Over 100 podcasts in there. Access to the VIP lounge and 
some other bonus content we've been putting over there on Patreon, which has included uh, a few pictures of my first car this week. Yeah, I haven't even got on there and checked that out myself yet. And unfortunately, I've been so busy. I've got pictures of my first truck here and my first Mustang and some other stuff. I just need to find them and scan them. When this long weekend, I might get to come through on that. It's just been crazy at work. End of month, end of quarter, end of fiscal year. It was a nightmare. Well, they'll be waiting for you when you uh, get those scanned in. Just put them over there on Patreon so everybody can see. Also found a fun photo uh, that will have dropped by the time you're listening to this of my old college dorm room. And I dissected it uh, from top to bottom. You see posters in there. And uh, actually, I was still a toy collector, you know, in my college days, too. My Voltron is on my desk and uh, other small little collectibles and stuff, Hot Wheels, and you'll see in the picture. But, uh, yeah, I've been going through pictures lately, and I thought it'd be fun to post those up on Patreon for people to see. And not the whole world, you know. (laughs) Hey, uh, newsflash here. As we're recording this, I'm sitting in this theater room, and I've got Roku on the screen. It's just scrolling. Uh-huh. Dick Tracy is now on the Roku channel for free. Oh. So go check that out if you're listening, and then go back in the archives of the Wizards Podcast Guide to Comics and listen to their Dick Tracy movie episode. Actually, that would be in the TRN drive-in feed that oh. you can subscribe to right now. Oh, okay. Well, either one. Wherever it's at, go find it, because that was an <laughs> awesome show. Yeah, that was great. In the movie, <laughs> and I like the movie though. So yeah, no, I put all of our drive-ins, uh, minus the '95 ones that we did exclusively for Patreon, in that uh, tier and drive-in feed. So you can subscribe to that and go back to listen to all those old episodes we did on Christmas Vacation and Planes, Trains, Automobiles, and uh, we did a Christmas story over this past season. So yeah, very fun stuff there. And Dick Tracy, that was great that Adam and and Michael kind of took over drive in there for an episode, but, uh, okay, well, that's, uh, that's all I have as far as announcements and everything goes. Uh, where are we going this week in the time machine? Well, several years, but as early as we'll be, we'll be 1995 because with WrestleMania this coming weekend, as you're listening to this, we are going to do some wrestling talk. And this is a topic that we can keep revisiting. So we're just going to talk about some memories from the Monday Night Wars. Anything from when Nitro started through Nitro ended, which would be from September 95 through March 2001. So quite a wide range there. And it was just, uh, what, 20 years ago that that all ended uh, just this past month. And Mm -hmm. last pay-per-view and last for WCW, essentially. But uh, yeah, so this is kind of a timely thing, too coming off that anniversary so all right well let's jump in the time machine we'll go back to the mid 90s talk some monday night wars all right here we are in the uh we'll say mid 90s just kind of hovering around and my first question to you mick is what were you watching when the Monday Night War is going on? Were you flipping back and forth? Were you more tuned into one or the other? Well, at the height of the battle, nobody really had to jump back and forth, maybe on the West Coast. But a lot of people, for some reason, never realized this. Raw and Nitro. Well, let me say when Nitro went to two hours. Mm-hmm. Nitro would start 
at what time would it start? At eight? It would start I, at eight? Yeah, I think it was eight o'clock okay. on the East Coast. And Raw would start and go from nine to eleven. Well, Nitro would show a replay immediately after its new episode. So I would watch Nitro from eight to nine. Then I'd watch Raw from nine to eleven, and then I would switch back to TNT and watch the second hour of the replay of Nitro. So I got all of it. Now, before that, though, before it was two hours in the replays, I was Nitro. Uh, 95 WWF was not very good. Early 96, or pretty much all of 96, WWF was not very good. <laughs> so, Yeah, I remember more kind of in the 90... Let's see, well, when did Nitro debut? 95? September 95. Okay. And then Hall and Nash came over in 96, like May 96, around in there. Memorial, or, well, Memorial Day 96, Scott Hall made his Hall, first appearance. Hall first, yes. Okay. So it would have been probably that fall, 96, and then over the next couple years when I was in college. After dinner, we would race back, and we had uh, down in the basement, we called it the dungeon. There was a little, I don't know, it must have been like a 19-inch TV. And it was just basically free game for the whole dorm. And usually we'd come down there and there was a, a kid that would be watching Star Trek Next Generation reruns or something. And we would all like hold around. There'd be like a group of anywhere from 10 to 20 of us at one time. You know, back when the Nitro parties were a thing. And we would kind of reserve the television after he was done watching what he was doing. And then we would... <laughs> We had it for, you know, all the time we wanted to watch for wrestling. So we would race back after dinner and down to the dungeon and start watching. And we were mainly Nitro people as well. And that's what I was thinking. Maybe it was during the second hour then when they went to two hours. We were, during the commercials, we would flip over to WWF to see what was going on. Yeah. And then back. That's what I mainly remember. But, yeah, we were definitely... Uh, watching Nitro. So what we were going to talk about today is kind of, I don't know, was it our favorite moments or just moments that kind of stood out to us or. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we sit here and name off our five favorite moments or whatever, well then the next shows our next five. So it's just whatever. Okay. Just okay. memories from that era. All right. Well, uh, since you're the, the wrestling man, I'll let you go first. Well, then I'll start on the first night of the Monday Night War. And that was the first Monday Nitro from the Mall of America. Um, wrestling up to that point had gotten pretty stale as far as television went. If you had a name versus name main event, it always ended in something screwy, which that kind of continued with the Monday Night War. Mm -hmm. But when you watch the first episode of Nitro and you see... Pillman and Liger, which was one of the best pay-per-view matches of WCW's young life. You know, they were mm -hmm. bringing that back. You get Sting versus Flair, which was pretty much their marquee matchup for several years. You get the debut of Lex Luger jumping from the WWF. Right. And yeah. then you also get uh, Hogan versus Big Bubba Rogers, which boss man, which is one of his right. bigger feuds right. of the late 80s. And you got Scott Norton debuting from Japan and interrupting. There was a guy at work. He was a big wrestling fan, older than me. The day after that, he and I said the same thing. He said, that's the best wrestling I've seen in 10 years. You know, wow. since the 80s, yeah. of worldwide wrestling or Georgia championship wrestling. It was just exciting. 
that hour they packed so much into it and they gave you all these main event matches and these hot angles and debuts in a cool setting. Yeah. It was just awesome. I just, uh, one of the highlights was Hulk Hogan at his new restaurant pasta mania, which was celebrating (laughs) its grand opening that day. Right. Yeah. Uh, plugging his spaghetti and stuff there too, before going to the rink. That, that brother. Right. Yeah. That was uh, insane, but that's what I think I liked about Nitro the most, too. With Raw, you pretty much had the same setup every time. You know, no matter what city they were in, you know, it was always that big ramp and the big Jumbotron and and all that coming down the ring, where Nitro changed it up some. I mean, the sets uh, changed from time to time, but, uh, you know, you had... (laughs) Yeah, at the, you're at the Mall of America, a wrestling ring there, you know. I mean, that was what was really fun. Have some of the, the, those kind of different settings for the, the ring itself, too, you know. Yeah, they would do several. As the years went on, they'd do several unique venues for, mm-hmm. well, which we'll I'll, talk about another one here I'll, later well, on. But I was going to jump on that. Go ahead. Okay, so my first pick, this is just a fun one. This would have been spring break of 98. This is where uh, they were at uh, Panama City, and they had the ring surrounded by the pool. Mm-hmm. You remember that? And mm-hmm. Scott Hall and Nash come out in their like, uh, beach wear, and this is when they're feuding with the Giant, right? And the Giant comes out, <laughs> and nash is like peace out and he jumps in the pool you know to get away from the giant and then the giant essentially throws scott hall into the pool and it was just a really cool setup that nitro too was when uh sting repelled from the freaking helicopter into the ring you know mm-hmm. and then you got the nitro girls in bikinis so what we what more could you want from wrestling at that point and it was a cool visual too, not only the pool, but the hotel surrounding the ring. Right. That one of those where people were out on the balconies at the hotel watching, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them were like that. You had that long bridge that kind of went to the ring over the pool and they didn't have much of a boundary outside of the ring, but it was still, you know, far enough to where they could toss people into the pool. But I don't know. I just that was one of my favorite times when the NWO or the outsiders were feuding with the giant when the giant was still on WCW and you get like, you know, Scott Hall doing his version of the choke slam on people and walking around the ring. Like he's, you know, the giant, like he's Frankenstein, you know, and holding the hand up in the air. That's like one of my favorite things about the whole era. But yeah, just that whole setting was just awesome. You knew when they were at spring break and the ring was surrounded by a pool, you knew somebody was going in it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it built that anticipation. You didn't know if it'd be a comedy spot or what, but you just knew it was somebody right. was getting, <laughs> well, I will, uh, I will throw a, my second one at another unique nitro setting. Okay. And that's when they do the shows from, um, the back lot at Disney world. They done that oh, whole yeah. summer of shows in '96 outside, but but mainly for the one time when the NWO attacked backstage, that was craziness on television right there because you got this. I think it's a tag team or a six man match going on in the ring, the Dungeon of Doom, maybe against the Horsemen, and Jimmy Hart comes running out talking about they need help in the back, 
and the camera goes back there. You've got Arn Anderson laying on the ground holding his arm with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, or Scott Hall holding a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, some I think Scotty Riggs runs in and gets brained with something. Ray Mysterio comes out of a trailer, gets on the railing, jumps off. Kevin Nash catches him and then lawn darts him head first into the side of the trailer. Was this when he didn't have his mask on? Uh, no, he had his mask on, but they ended okay. up taking it off after that. Have you not seen this? I'm trying to remember it. Uh, oh man, you got to look that up. It, uh, it was insane. And then they spent like the next 40 minutes of the show tending to those guys and like a, like a news report of a terrorist attack. And it was so real to some people in the area, the people around there were calling the cops over everything going on. <laughs> wow. But that night was one of the first times where they took the action, which action always goes out of the ring, but when they took it out of the ring and stayed out of the ring for an extended period of time, dealing with the fallout and the follow-up, you know, they're loading them up in the ambulances. You see different ones getting in the ambulances and going with them. Mm-hmm. You've got Ray Mysterio there on the ground, holding his head, screaming. There were four guys, you know, which at the time NWO only had three members and that created a whole new plot line and mystery. Who's the fourth guy. Right. Uh, so yeah, that night was just crazy. And WCW was kind of like that where, you know, you're always wondering who's the next NWO person. And then all the people that's coming over from, like the WWF and you know, who's going to show up the next week. Cause like when uh, Luger came over for the first one, he had just been on like, what was it? The, maybe the week before or something. I mean, it was like real quick and he was like, mm-hmm. boom, I'm back to WCW. So, yeah. Well, Luger had been working without a contract for a while in the WWF. They were hammering out the details. So he was essentially a free agent staying in Luger, best friends, Sting knew they had this new show debuting called Bischoff. Bischoff wasn't a fan of Luger, but, you know, for the low ball offer that Luger accepted to have a big surprise that first night, he just signed him right away from Vince McMahon. That's crazy. All right. uh, Let's see. Where should we go? Let's go over to uh, the WWF for a minute. And I, you know, I was into it some, like you said, later on towards the, the late 90s, more or less, 98, 99. When Stone Cold was, you know, what's Stone Cold doing this week, essentially, was the show. And it was in, I don't know, probably 90, maybe 99, 98 or 99, when he brings out the beer truck. Mm -hmm. That was before WrestleMania 15 and 99. Okay, yeah. And he just, I mean, again, it was all about what's Stone Cold going to do this week. And his music, I don't know. If I had to choose like one theme, there, there's a few out there, and you'll probably have your favorites too. But just his theme and hearing that glass shatter and the crowd erupt, you know, the stuff was on then. And mm. that night, and this is all leading up, you know, from when he did other things to Vince, but it was him versus Vince. And then you bring out the beer truck. <laughs> and uh, was this where he. Did it actually bump the ring, or was that another time when he brought a truck out? Anyway, he brought a Zamboni out and hit the ring with that's it. That's right. That was the okay. But uh, I don't. I remember that coming out, and you know, and <laughs> him cutting the promo on top of the truck, you know, and then this was I think when the Rock had the was part of the what corporation or something. And he had the championship, and he whips out the hose and just doused them in beer. 
you know <laughs> i mean it was just the ultimate uh, middle finger to vince and and the the crowd just loved it you know and there it was a little overacting by vince in the ring slipping down you know and all that stuff but gosh it was so great yeah i remember i was at the, my cousin's house that night when that happened that was pretty cool of course stone cold done a lot of stuff Apparently, the budget for Stone Cold segments was astronomical because I'm sure, you know, he filled that Corvette full of concrete. Yeah, just, I I remember that. <laughs> I was like, really, they're gonna destroy a Corvette? And man, mm-hmm. like I said, the budget for his stuff must have been through the roof. <laughs> well, I will go with some WWF at the moment too. Uh, you talk about getting into it, ninety eight, ninety nine. I really started getting more into Raw is War in 97 versus WCW. And what really started getting me going was when Mick Foley done his four-part sit-down interview series with Jim Ross. Mm-hmm. Telling his whole history because Vince had only recently started mentioning the competition on the shows. And so they were showing footage of Mick Foley in Japan as Cactus Jack and they mm-hmm. used to wrestle this Cactus Jack. And he told the story about dude love and all that. Well, later on when the summer of love started, you had Steve Austin, uh, whose partner, Shawn Michaels was out hurt. He was, there was a tag team title match against Owen and Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the match, that disco music starts playing. And here comes Dude Love making his first appearance, Mick Foley. Now, I'm still a big Cactus Jack fan, but I prefer Mick or uh, Dude Love over Mankind. But seeing Dude Love warble down to the ring. <laughs> he had some I, ladies uh, on his arms too, right? Yeah. Well, not, not that first night. Not the first night? Okay. Or at least not coming to the ring. But coming in and being Steve's partner and just blowing the roof off the place that was really for me what started. And I think it's really what started the momentum. It took a while for it to fully swing, you know, mm-hmm. in favor, but that's when the ball got rolling was just that summer of 97 in WWF and, and raw at the time or nitro at the time had a lot of stuff going on. But unfortunately it was the same stuff. that was going on the summer before it was still all NWO. So they weren't mm-hmm. changing and, staying as fresh as they could have. And Vince McMahon with his back to the wall is always going to come out on top. So he started turning the tide that summer. Yeah. I remember like after that, I think it was where they had like the whole dude love stage set up there and he would bring the girls out from the curtain and sit down. They had like beanbag chairs and weird stuff up there and called it the love shack. That's right. Yeah. I was trying to remember if he was, Interviewing people or just kind of, you know, doing his own thing then. But (laughs) yeah, that was a fun character, no doubt. All right. uh, Let's see. What else are we going to talk about? Let's talk about the night that Luger beat Hogan for the title. Oh, I mean, I was. Shouldn't have happened. Well, and you can probably tell me the whole backstory behind that. But it felt like just almost like a spontaneous thing. Because the whole locker room comes out. Even, uh, I think it was Randy Anderson that was doing the match. When he gets him up in the rack and he kind of looks towards the, you know, the timekeeper or whatever, the bell. He's like, yes, yes, he gave up. You know, he had this incredible look on his face. And, you know, then the whole 
locker room comes out to celebrate with Luger. And then you later, I think in the night or after that, they come back and they're all, you know, doing champagne in the locker room. But I don't know. I just remember it being just a huge moment. Like, wow, you know, Luger has the belt now, but he, what, kept it for a week? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Was I'd have to look at the date. That may have been sweeps week. They may have done that for something TV related. I have no it, idea. It was uh, August 4th, 97. So that's, well, that's not, not sweeps. sweeps. No. no. But why I say they should have never done it was you've spent all this time building up Sting. And you know, I mean, if you're Eric Bischoff and the brass at WCW, you know you're going to Starcade with Sting and Hogan. Uh, it took kind of, it took some of the, the spin off the fastball there mm-hmm. that somebody else was able to topple Hogan. I mean, Sting should have been the one that saved WCW, for lack of a better term. But no, here's Luger. I don't know if I ever heard why they made that move or not. It just didn't. I never understood it then. I still don't understand it now. Hogan and, yeah. shouldn't have lost until Starcade. Yeah, well, it's he like won it back the next week, I think. And it was weird. I remember, I don't know if I was stunned more that Luger won that Nitro or that he'd already lost it back the next week or something. I mean, it was, it was crazy that they didn't. I, I, yeah, what was the reasoning behind that? Just to give him a title for a week. I and, I'll, and I'll add to that: the Hogan Sting match at Starcade should have been about a three-minute total domination of Sting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's how you pay that year-long story off: is he just decimates Hogan. But that didn't happen either. So yeah, <clears throat> let's see. Let me let me try to stay with the WWF here. So, not a specific moment in time, but a series of moments in time. Mm-hmm. Anything where Patterson and Briscoe were the Stooges, where they were <laughs> off doing their thing. Yeah. There's an old saying, funny, don't draw money in wrestling. But by God, it sure does uh, help you uh, feel like you got your money's worth from the shit you did pay for when you've got somebody like Patterson and Briscoe out there doing their thing like they're when Vince as punishment booked them in an evening gown match for the hardcore title where they were having to strip each other from evening gowns and just anything they were doing and saying, you know, they're all being all serious, but it's just coming across funny. And, uh, like when Vince is going to fight Austin on that one Monday night raw and Briscoe's giving him some pointers in the back. He goes, you know, before he goes for the stunner, he always kicks somebody in the gut. When he does that, you grab him behind the knee Vince, and then you own him. You own him, Vince. <laughs> oh, it's hard to beat Patterson and Briscoe. And then later on, when they become baby faces and we're coming out whipping the shit out of the Mean Street posse all the time, that was great, too. The crowd loved it. So yeah. anything featuring the Stooges goes on my list. Yeah, there. you look up Goon in the dictionary, it's them two, man. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It was great. Yeah. I liked them too. And I don't know. They just always seem to be kind of hovering around and just enough to where stone cold could lay into them, you know, a a few lines while they were there with Vince. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, those were, those were fun. McMahon's entourage. Okay. Oh gosh. Let's talk about, um, this was for lack of a better word, batshit insane to me. 
hilarious at the same time. And I think now I was, I was just doing a Google search. I think they've removed it from since the WWE has gone over to Peacock, but the night the DX came out and parodied the nation. Oh, see, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk in after hours about the network being on Peacock now, but yeah, Jason sensation doing Owen Hart was phenomenal in that segment. I am not a nugget. Woo. Woo. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, spot on. And he does everybody spot on, but, uh, Triple H as the croc, you know, mm-hmm. and you had, uh, let's see, who was Road Dog was uh, D Lo, you know, shaking his head back and forth the whole time. Yeah. And then. Yeah, X Pac. X Pac is Miss Ark Henry. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, well, Billy Gunn was the godfather. Yeah. My favorite Carl. line, my yeah. favorite line from that was when uh, uh, Jesse James asked, Ms. Ark Henry goes, how do you get your abs to go all the way, or, or how do you get your pecs to go all the way around to the back like that? Yes. <laughs> There's so many good lines in there, and I understand the probably the reasoning behind it, you know. Blackface in this day and age is not, you know, not kosher by any means, but I don't know, just the whole sentiment behind it and you know the factions every every both shows had factions mm-hmm. and they would seemingly go in and out you know based on pay-per-views and stuff who they were feuding with and, and everything but that was it back then everybody had a faction and just to, to go off like that and the flip side of that would be when <laughs> when the nwo came out as the four horsemen you remember yeah, that where, yeah uh, that's not good it it wasn't. I mean, that was kind of cringeworthy. But looking back now, you know, both of them don't age well. But at, at the time, it was hilarious. Well, let me try to lighten the mood here a little bit. My last pick. Um, I'm old school. When the NWO come along, I'm still a Horseman fan. I'm a WCW fan because I'm an old school NWA head. And when Flair had his dispute with Bischoff and was gone forever. Mm-hmm. And then that night he came back in 1998 in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh yeah. And got that huge ovation. And Tony Schiavone had a line in there. Cause it was right after Mark McGuire had hit 62. And he said uh, something to the effect of, they say you'll always know where you was when McGuire hit 62. Well, you'll always know where you were when the nature boy returned. I don't remember what I was doing when McGuire hit 62, but I remember where I was and what I was doing when Flair came back. (laughs) But, you know, being an old Ric Flair fan, he was always my favorite, him and the rock and roll express, even when I wasn't supposed to like him Mm -hmm. seeing him return and had the tears in his eyes and, and coming out and getting the, say what he wanted to say that night that was that's one of my of the whole monday night war that's i know we're not doing top five but that's in my top five somewhere he was flaunting it that night wasn't he mm-hmm. <laughs> no that was an incredible moment you know probably the most the crowd was into it you know with all just essentially bringing in all the horsemen one by one if i remember right well he came right. down and he was like you know, thanking uh, Chris Benoit and Mongo for kind of keeping the 
holding the fort down, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then I think they brought in Arn after that, right? And then went crazy again. No, Arn was the one who was out there and brought Arn the was the one out. and brought yeah. in Flair. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was incredible atmosphere. And there was a few times, you know, having gone back last year, mainly thanks to the house show guys and watching uh, the pay-per-views and then going back and watching Raw and Nitro's. Yeah, that moment definitely sticks out as just a electric atmosphere and deep in the know, heart of horseman country. Y- oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's I mean a great moment there. There's only one other moment probably with Flair that really <laughs> stands out to me. Well, I guess we'll save that one for another another time. Fired, I'm already fired or something. I, I don't know if it was that night or if that was a, the other night I'm thinking about. But anyway, now that was the night he came back, you know. Fire me, I'm already fired. Right. Good choice there. All right, what Where am I going to end on? You're no good son of a bitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, man. <laughs> um, all right, well, I'm going to end then, since we're kind of in that realm with uh, just the electric atmosphere. And it probably is not the best or one of the greatest matches of all time, but what about the night that Goldberg beats Hogan at the Georgia Dome. Oh, that was incredible, too. I mean, I remember watching that and just seeing... We were, you know, I'm in Georgia, so uh, be, having been at the Georgia Dome before and just seeing the just the people and uh, all coming down. It was like the Super Bowl almost. You know, just that so electric and is he, you know, is he going to finally win it after that huge long streak? Because at that point... What it? I don't even know if he'd been in the WCW a year, right? No, he hadn't. And you know he's on that streak, and you're thinking, okay, well he's is he really going to take Hogan down? And he, sure enough, you know wins the title, and he's got both belts, you know, because I think he was the what was it the U.S. champion at the time? Correct. And you know taking out Hogan in the jackhammer and the spear, of course, and holding up both belts. I, I remember that pretty vividly and that crowd was electric yeah there's another one though they they gave that away on television that would have been a money-making pay-per-view main event if they'd have saved it yeah I'm, i don't know why they did that on a nitro it, well was it something to, like to according uh, to some reading i've done in the past mm-hmm. on the history of nitro and stuff you know hogan was a big backstage politician they were at the georgia dome they're owned by ted turner all this TBS, CNN brass were going to be there. Hogan won't mm-hmm. do that. So they would see that, oh my gosh, look at all the people came to see Hulk Hogan. You know, yeah. future contract negotiation type stuff. Yeah. But the crowd was going to be there regardless. Yeah, definitely. Well, Goldberg was a homegrown boy too, right? He went to, uh, played football for the Bulldogs. Right. So... I guess it made sense that it would something like that could happen there, but yeah, I think you're right. They that was uh and they did that a couple times too. I think I don't know, WCW with their pay per views, didn't they go off the air a couple of times and they ended up having to replay matches or like uh do another match or something the next night on Nitro and right. mm-hmm. stuff like that would happen and you're kind of scratching your head at that, but 
Yeah, that was just an incredible moment. I just remember everybody like erupting in the in the dungeon watching that. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I watched it as it happened. I was thrilled too because I hated Hogan. I still hate Hogan. <laughs> now it's okay to hate Hogan because of his racist remarks and stuff. Well, yeah, it's he he uh, did himself in. But... I need to start a cancel Hulk Hogan movement. <laughs> Hashtag. Yes. Well, this was good, man. I can't believe we went through five already because I've got some more on my list here. But I guess, we, like you said, we can come back and uh, and revisit it again. Because yeah, there's still some surprise moments, and I don't know if there's anything really that you could top probably those two moments with Flair and of course, you know, it don't just it don't just have to be on Nitro and Raw. We're talking about the Monday Night War era that includes the pay per views. They took place in the era. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we there's a lot we've not touched on. We'll definitely do it again. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we'd love to hear everyone else's uh, thoughts on the Monday Night Wars. You know, did you watch one more than the other? Some of your favorite moments and things, and you can let us know on social media this week. But uh, let's jump back in the time machine, head back to the present day. We'll tell you what we're going to be doing for after hours and wrap things up. <laughs> All right, we are back in the present. Uh, appreciate everybody following along with us. Like I said, any comments you want to leave over on Twitter, at TR and Social, at RD80s, and at Yesterdayville for our personal accounts. And I'm going to keep harping on you guys that use Apple. Come on over and uh, give us a review this week. Help us climb up the charts here, as some of our shows are doing on the Retro Network. And uh, we're going to, I think, continue the conversation, right, over on After Hours? Yeah, poor wrestling talk. Maybe not necessarily monday night war memories but just some wrestling talk it's wrestlemania week got to get excited yeah man well we'll continue that over on after hours uh, make sure you join us over there if you are not a vip patreon.com forward slash the retro network gets you over there and uh until next week mick you have a good one we'll see you in time yep thought you were clapping because you were happy. Now the cat <laughs> commands exploring these shelves. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network. <laughs>